God's word to us this morning begins in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, beginning in verse 37. Hear the word of the Lord. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? We'll turn now to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Then David said, this is the house of Yahweh God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David gave orders to gather the foreigners who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to hew out stones to build the house of God. And David prepared large quantities of iron to make the nails for the doors of the gates and for the clamps and for the bronze than could be more bronze than could be weighed. And timbers of cedar, logs beyond number for the Sidonians and Tyrians brought large quantities of cedar timber to David. And David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for Yahweh shall be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all lands. Therefore, now I will make preparation for it. So David made ample preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for Yahweh God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, I had intended to build a house to the name of Yahweh my God. But the word of Yahweh came to me saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood on the earth before me. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, Yahweh, be with you, that you may be successful and build the house of Yahweh, your God, just as he has spoken concerning you. Only Yahweh give you discretion and understanding and give you charge over Israel so that you may keep the law of Yahweh, your God. Then you shall prosper if you are called to observe the statutes and the ordinances which Yahweh commanded Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now behold, with great pains I have prepared for the house of Yahweh 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weight, for they are in great quantity. Also timber and stone I have prepared, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are many workmen with you, stone cutters and masons of stone and carpenters, and all men who are skillful in every kind of work. Of the gold, the silver and the bronze and the iron, there is no limit. Arise and work 
and may Yahweh be with you. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon, saying, Is not Yahweh your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before Yahweh and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek Yahweh your God. Arise, therefore, and build a sanctuary of Yahweh God, so that you may bring the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built for the name of Yahweh. Now if you would turn to, your ba- turn to the back of your bulletin, we'll read together as a congregation Psalm 84. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have invited us into your house, the holy habitation in the heavens. And we thank you that by spirit we join you with the church all around the world on the day of the Lord, the Lord's day. And we thank you that you invite us to come and hear from you. So we ask that you would speak to us and strengthen us in our faith in you and shape us into conformity with our Savior Christ. Help us to become people who are mission-minded, thinking about the kingdom of God as it grows throughout the whole earth. We thank you for your word and for men like David and Solomon who were very flawed men. Yet you said of David that he had a heart after you. And Solomon was one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man who walked on the earth, yet flaws incredible, and yet you use them. So help us to be encouraged that you will use us for your kingdom's sake. 
This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I got a text on Friday, and it was a fraud alert from Amazon.com. And it had a phone number, so I called the phone number. And on the phone number was somebody I couldn't understand hardly. And soon I realized that I was being scammed. So I just hung up on him. Then I called a number that I knew was Amazon.com, and I asked them about this, and they said, no, we don't send out those text alerts. Your credit card company would do that. But let me just check on your record. So I gave my info, and the woman, and she said, whoa, I like the books you're reading. I like the commentaries you're reading. Then she said, you know, my dad loves to read, and he taught a lot in Sunday school in church. And I, my, my dad died two years ago. And I told my dad before he died, just being with him was church for me. Well, now that's a, a bit of the way we think in the United States. We think in individualistic terms whereby we can worship God anywhere we are. Well, of course, that's a true statement. But when it says in John chapter 4 that the Father is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth, it is not talking about individuals who go into their closet and pray, although that's a good thing to do. It's talking about the church gathered all around the world and we come, in the Old Testament, he put his name on a certain place. In the New Testament, he puts his name on a certain place. It's called the church, wherein the Spirit dwells. And the church, we know from passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is the temple of God. Ephesians chapter 2. There's a foundation, and we're building on top of that foundation. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and brick by brick, stone by stone, this building is being built in which the Spirit of God dwells. We know from 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are living stones being built up together with Christ in whom we can offer acceptable sacrifices to God. We're a royal priesthood. First Chronicles is uh, about the temple, and it's a transition from a tabernacle to a temple. Of course, a tabernacle means that you're on the move, and that's what Israel was. For 40 years, they moved around in the wilderness. Then when they came into the land, they moved from place to place as they fought their battles. And when you come into the book of 1 Samuel you see that, uh, well, they're not really following the Lord and the ark is taken away into Philistia and when it comes back, there's hardly worship at the tabernacle. And so David, when he becomes king, he says to his people, let's bring the ark of Yahweh up here and let's seek it because we did not seek it in Saul's day. And so there's a transition that is taking place. Well, you see it in uh, First and Second Samuel with kings, 
and you see it again in First Chronicles, and that's what we're looking at. So on one hand, God has a tent house, and that tent house is kind of like the house that Abraham would have had. It's built with boards and stuff. It's not, it's not like a tent we would pitch. It, it's big. It has boards that hold it up, and you stay in a place for a while, and then, then you move on. It has cloth curtains and all of that. But, but uh, at some point, when they got into the land, God said to his people, uh, I'm going to choose a place for my name to dwell. And there you will bring your sacrifices. And this is what David is in the transition of doing, trying to get God's place and his temple built. Now remember, the word house is used for God's temple. The word temple is used. If you think of the word temple, we probably have certain ideas that go with that. But the word in the Hebrew means a palace. It's a palace. So when the temple is built... It is God's home. And as we read in Psalm 132, God was looking for a place, and he chose Zion as his dwelling place, his resting place. That's what he desired. And uh, David is the one who fought for Jerusalem and gained the territory of Jerusalem. David is the one who brought the Ark of the Covenant and pitched a tent for it in Zion. David is the one who wanted to build a house for the Lord. And uh, Nathan said, do it. But then God said, no, you can't do it as we've read this morning because you're a man that's shed much blood and engaged in much warfare. Instead, your son will build a house for me. He will be a man of rest. And I'll give rest from all your enemies around you in his days. And his name will be Solomon and I'll give peace and quietness. Well, peace and quietness is the kind of idea that you would see through the Old Testament and in the prophets, where every man sits under his own vine in fig tree in quietness. So we're going to be moving, our, we are already at that stage, where there's rest. All the enemies around Jerusalem, all the territory that belongs to Israel is now at rest. And it's time to build a house. This house is God's house. It has a back room, which is the Holy of Holies. That's where his throne is. It is, has a forum, which you come to first, which is like a dining room. It has a table with uh, showbread on it. And it has a, a candelabra in there that is shining across to the table. And then when you go outside of his house, it has a fireplace, which is called the altar of ascension. We know it as the altar of burnt offering. The word is ascension. Well, we saw last time we met that uh, David bought the field of Arnon, the threshing floor, and he bought the oxen, and he bought the wood, and he sacrificed a sacrifice of ascensions and peace offerings to Yahweh because of his sin. 
Remember, there was an angel hovering between heaven and earth with a drawn sword, and David was afraid. And so he did what Yahweh told him to do. Then David built an altar to Yahweh there at the threshing floor and offered ascension offerings and peace offerings. And he called to Yahweh and he answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of ascensions. And Yahweh commanded the angel and he put his sword back in his shield. And then leading into chapter 21 comes these, this strange thought, at, uh, excuse me, into chapter 22, comes this strange thought at the end of chapter 21, verse 28, First Chronicles 21, 28. At that time, when David saw that Yahweh had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, he offered sacrifices there. So transition's taking place. He's brought the ark to Zion, and now on Mount Moriah, he has purchased the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, and he has set up an altar, as he was asked to do, and he made offerings, and his sin was forgiven and God answered him by fire. Fire came out of heaven and licked up the sacrifices. And so what it's telling us is from now on, David's going to offer there at the threshing floor. Look at verse 29. For the tabernacle of Yahweh, which Moses had made in the wilderness... And the altar of burnt offering were in the high place at Gibeon uh, in, at that time. But David could not go before it, could not go before it to, uh, dots are smashed. Thank you to inquire of God, for he was terrified by the terror of the angel of Yahweh. So what we're being told is, when this fire came out and burnt up the sacrifice, David knew, this is where God wants me. And he would not go back to Gibeon to offer. Now think about it. Over here in Gibeon is this altar. But the ark that's supposed to be on the way into the Holy of Holies is gone. So when you go over here and you offer yourself up by an ascension where you're going up to God, go over here, God's not there. That's what's been going on for a long time. The people are going to Gibeon, they're offering, Solomon's going to do it. But God's not over here, he's left the ark is gone. So David doesn't go down there. He's now learned we're going to sacrifice in, uh, in Moriah at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And notice he didn't go there to inquire. 
So when you're, when you're over here and you lay your hand on the ascension offering and you slit its throat and it gets all burned up and you go up in smoke, you are going up, well, you're going horizontally, but it's a picture of going up into God's throne room by smoke. And what are you doing there? You are inquiring. Well, the word is found in chapter 22, and it's found in chapters 28 and 29, and it's found all through 2 Chronicles, and it's the word that means to seek, to seek. And it's the word that was used of Saul way back in chapter 10, where we told that Saul committed a trespass. He was unfaithful to the covenant. Why? Because he went to inquire of a medium. He did not inquire of Yahweh. He did not seek Yahweh. There's going to be a theme that runs through chapter 22 all the way to the end of 1 Chronicles and then is picked up in 2 Chronicles, and that is, do you seek Yahweh or not? David is seeking Yahweh, but he's afraid to go back to Gibeon because of the angel of the Lord and the fire that came. He knows this is where God wants to be. Then uh, if you don't have your Bible, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Verse 1 is kind of this transition between the two thoughts. So then it says, then David says, this is the house of Yahweh God, and this is the altar of ascension for Israel. So when you go to God's house, you come to this bronze altar, and on this bronze altar, you go up in smoke, and you're going into the holy room via smoke, and God breathes you in, and you're united with God, and he has a message for you. You're seeking him, and he has something to say. Now David is saying, okay, right here on this threshing floor, this is going to be where God's house is. That's where God lives. This is God's home. It's a palatial home. And outside God's palatial house is an altar of ascension, and that altar is the way by which you meet with God. Well, we don't meet that way today. But it's akin to how we meet. Hebrews tells us that we walk right into the holy room. We don't see it, but that's what's happening when we come together. We go into God's presence. It's a similar idea. Now, chapter 22, then, is looking at, at David's uh, zeal to get this house built. He knows he's not going to build it. He knows that his son is going to build it. What, what does he do? Well, hide red for us, starting in verse 2 and going down through verse 4, of all the preparations that David was making. And when you get down to verses 14 and following, you discover this is an incredible amount of raw material. 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, bronze and iron that cannot even be weighed. This is what David is gathering. He's preparing, getting ready. Now, why? 
because what David wants is for God's people to be able to come to the bronze altar and go up in smoke and move inside the holy place to meet with God. That wasn't being done in Saul's day. So Saul was cut off. This is what God wants. This is what David wants in his day. And he knows that it is for Solomon, his son, to do. To get the raw materials. And then Solomon is going to follow a pattern that we'll talk about in a few weeks from now and build this house. And then notice in verse 5. Verse 5 says, And David said, My son Solomon is young. I like the King James. It says young and tender. The word is soft. Solomon's soft. Solomon is, oh, we don't know his age for sure. He's in his early 20s. He might be 20. He might be as much as 25. And we're talking about this palatial house. What guy at 25 can build that? So David says, and David said, my son Solomon is young and soft in the context. It's a proper translation and inexperienced. And the house is to be built for Yahweh, the house that's to be built for Yahweh shall be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all lands. Therefore, now I will make preparation. So here's this house. It's going to be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious. Now turn over to chapter 28. Excuse me, chapter 29. Verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and earth, thine is the, the dominion, O Yahweh, and thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. We're picking up two bookends of this passage here where we're drawing in sim similar words. In other words, this house is for somebody who is somebody. So if you think about a house, you know, all of our houses are different. Some people who are really wealthy, they show it by the kind of house they live in. Some people who don't have much money, it shows up by the kind of place that they live. But that's not the only thing about a house. It's the kind of things you put in a house or the way you decorate a house and you're distinguished from other people. A house is Speaking about you and what David is saying is, my son is young and inexperienced. And this house is for Yahweh. It's an exceedingly magnificent, the word in Hebrew is just great. It's going to be a famous house. And the word for famous is the word name. 
and it's going to be a glorious house. And the word for glorious in this particular case is the word beautiful. And then you come to chapter 29, and David is telling why it has to be that way. Because God is great. God is the one who has the great name. God is the one who's victorious. God is the one who is glorious, that is, beautiful. In fact, God owns everything. So you make a house for him. It's got to be quite a house. And my son is an experience. So what I'm going to do, since I'm not allowed to build it, I'm going to get all the goods together. And that's what David gives himself to doing. Now, in verses 6 and following, David addresses Solomon, his son. It comes in two parts, and these two parts are important. One is historical. The other is looking forward. Then he called for his son Solomon, verse 6, and charged him to build a house for Yahweh, God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, I had intended to build a house to the name of Yahweh, my God. <clears throat> of Yahweh, my God. But, but the word of Yahweh came to me saying, You have shed much blood, and have waged great wars. And you shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood on the earth before me. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all of his enemies on every side, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom on uh, uh, the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So the first part, David's looking back. He wanted to build a house. Nathan told him, build the house then. Nathan got a word from the Lord. No, you can't build the house. And the reason given here is not the reason given in chapter 17. In chapter 17, God said, did I ever say that anyone should build a house for me? The answer was no. But here, David is excluded. The idea was good. The idea was right. But he's excluded because he's a man of blood. <coughs> Excuse me. This comes up again in chapters 28 and 29. And we're going to talk about why. Because absolutely, David was doing what God called him to do. But as a man of blood, he's not allowed to build the house. We want to know why that is. But we won't answer that question today or we won't get done. So 
Solomon's going to build the house. Now, what you need to know is through this whole section, there, there are words that are translated differently in our Bible, and it's, it's using puns all the way through. So Solomon is shalom. When you say shalom, you're saying to somebody, peace. Solomon is just a form of shalom, peace. And God's going to give peace and quiet in his days. God says, I'm going to establish his throne over Israel forever. The word establish is found here, and it's found again in chapter 28 and 29. And the word establish is the same word that David uses when he says, I'm going to make preparation, or I'm going to give provision. In other words, God says of Solomon, I'm going to provide for Solomon. He'll be king over Israel for all of his life, I'll establish, I will provide for him. Okay, all of that's good and fine. We understand that that comes even from the covenant. This is what God's going to do. This is his covenant. But verses 11 through 16 are, are more important for our purposes this morning. Look at verse 11. So notice in, in verse 6, he called Solomon his son and spoke to my son. Now he's going to do it again. Now, my son, Yahweh be with you that you may be successful and build the house of Yahweh your God just as he has spoken concerning you. Okay, Solomon? Yahweh be with you so that you can build his house. Now, just glance down to verse 16. I like these little literary notes. Verse 16 says, Of the gold and silver and the bronze and the iron, there is no limit. That's the end of what David's up to. Then it says, notice, arise and work. I like the King James. Get up and be doing Get to work. And may Yahweh be with you. So verse 11, may Yahweh be with you and build the house of the Lord. Get up and get to work and may Yahweh be with you. It's an inclusio. So it's bookends to what David is saying. So David is urging his son, okay, you're going to come to the throne and you're going to build this house and Yahweh will be with you. And what does that make you think of? Of course, it makes you think of Matthew. His name is Emmanuel, God with you. And you get to the end of the book of Matthew, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Bookends in Matthew. And then all that goes on between. This is the bookends here, where David makes preparation of two kinds by gathering raw materials and then telling his son certain things that we're going to look at here in just a minute. But it, it's bookends. And it reminds you, God has a plan that is marching through the Bible. It starts out in Genesis. And when God makes man, and he tells man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it and rule over it. And Adam failed. The project is started again under Abraham. And the children of Israel go out of Egypt, and it fails again. 
Now it's restarted here with a temple. And we have this man, 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 12. Then Hiram continued, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, who has made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, endowed with discretion and understanding. Well, Solomon is very wise. You know the story of Solomon. All the Proverbs he did, all the people that come up, uh, the queen of the south comes up and she listens to him and her breath is taken away. He's so wise and smart. How does Solomon end? The last word of Solomon in the Bible is about his having his heart taken away. He was not wholly devoted to the Lord and he married other women and he fell into idolatry. How does that happen? Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, who's given David such a wise son, full of discretion and understanding. Those are the words that run through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And then David, I'm mean, excuse me, Solomon, falls into sin. Over and over in the New Testament, we are warned. Watch out. Beware. Don't fall into sin. Don't fall away. It's what happened in the Old Testament. It's the warning in the New Testament. Now, I am not bringing into question the doctrine of eternal security. I am telling you, on the other hand, the warnings are true. Solomon fell away. Now, did he return? Did he repent? The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible is silent. The theory is Solomon, in pursuing wisdom, you know, he went too far and he fell away, but he came back. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. And down the road, we will have a, a little bit to say about that. So just notice in verse 11 down to verse 16, we have these bookends. Then go back to verse 11. Now, my son, Yahweh be with you, that you may be successful and build the house of Yahweh, your God, just as he has spoken concerning you. Only, only Yahweh give you discretion and understanding and give you charge over Israel so that you may guard, is the word, the law, the Torah of Yahweh, your God. Then you shall prosper if you are careful to observe, if you guard to observe the statutes and the judgments, is, is the real word, judgments, which Yahweh gave Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be 
dismayed. So, okay, God's made this promise. And now Solomon is told, if you're going to succeed, Solomon, if you're going to prosper, here's what you have to do. You have to know Torah. Now, law doesn't give the right sense to us because when we think of law, we think, okay, do this, don't do that. But the books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, that's called Torah. Torah means instruction. And Torah has both commandments and prohibitions in it and has stories in it whereby God instructs us through story. And Solomon is being told, okay, you have to gain discernment and understanding so that you guard God's Torah, God's law, so that you will do it and your people will do it. If this doesn't happen, you will not be prosperous. Well, it happened at the beginning, and the temple's all built, and it's dedicated, and all these people are coming to see Solomon, and then Solomon falls away. It's a sad thing when Christians fall. Christians do fall. Now, again, be careful, hear me closely. I'm not saying Christians lose their salvation. That is not what I'm saying. That's a separate question. But Christians do fall into sin and very grievous sin as did Solomon. I got a little article the other day of a man who died recently and I watched his funeral on the internet and now it's come to light that he was a man who uh, harassed women, forced certain favors, committed what might be called date rape, and claimed to be faithful to his wife. He's very famous. The work that he's done is now tainted. That's what happened to Solomon. So we see promises in the Bible. The promises of God, well, they demand obedience or the promises don't come to fruition. Now, be careful. God will bring his elect through safely. But there are so many promises that it's easy for us to claim and forget that the promise like to Solomon here it's the Davidic covenant demands obedience. You have to know Torah. And you have to have discretion, which is a word that means insight and understanding if you're going to prosper. You have to give yourself to this. Now, just look down because we see a similar statement down in verses 17 through 19 as David talks to those who are going to help Solomon. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon, saying, Is not Yahweh your God with you? 
I'll be with you to the end of the age. Is not Yahweh your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? I'm seeking a place to put my name. It's my resting place. I will give Israel rest. Has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before Yahweh and before his people. So all around this land is rest and quietness. You can walk on the street and not be worried. You can send your young daughter to the grocery store and not be worried. There's rest and quietness. It's subdued. Takes us back to Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Here's a miniature of the whole earth. This portion or this land that's called Israel, it's at rest and the inhabitants are subdued. Everything is under control. It's a mini version of what Adam was called to do. Look at verse 19. Here's the key. Now set your heart, set your heart and your soul to seek Yahweh your God. The word set just means give. Give yourself to seek Yahweh. Remember, that's what the word inquire is. Ah, oh, Saul inquired of a medium. He sought after a medium to get answers. Saul didn't wholly give himself to Yahweh at some point in his life. So he followed the gods of his many wives and fell into deep sin. Now, Solomon is told, okay, you've got to guard Torah and do it with discretion, with insight and understanding. Now to these who are going to help him. Now set your heart and your soul to seek Yahweh your God. Turn, if you would, to chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your fathers and serve him with a whole heart and a <coughs> willing and a, I lost my place, and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of, of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now to these men, these leaders that are going to help Solomon, he says, you've got to seek Yahweh. 
Now, set your, <coughs> excuse me, set your heart and your soul to seek Yahweh, your God. Arise, therefore, and build the, and build the sanctuary for Yahweh, God, so that you may bring the <coughs> Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built for the name of Yahweh. So I'm trying to get you see, here's this land at rest, and everybody's been subdued. There's peace. Even got, you got foreigners in the land. They're not just all uh, uh, natural-born Jewish people. You've got a lot of Gentiles who've been conquered, who are living in the land. Everybody's at rest. Okay, now it's time to build this palace for God. He wants to sit in his own palace and live among his people. So now, seek him with all your heart and soul and build this tabernacle. So what can you do? Or this temple, excuse me, this palace. So you can take this ark that's been sitting under a curtain in Zion and you can bring it in and you can set it right in the Holy of Holies. And what does that mean? God's moving in. And so you can bring all of these vessels and you can bring them in and do what? You put them in God's house where he wants them. Well, some of them go in the Holy of Holies. Some of them go in the holy place. Some of them go in the courtyard. But there are all kinds of things that are made of gold and silver and bronze. There are pitchers and the bowls and shovels and uh, tables. And in this house, there are going to be 10 tables and 10 uh, candle operas. It's, it's going to be fantastic. And there are going to be wagons full of water coming out the door and out the other side of the door. And there are going to be bronze pillars that are so tall, one that stands for the priest and one that stands for the king. All of this is God's stuff at God's house. You bring all these articles in. God's moved in and he's got his stuff with him. And what is his stuff? His stuff is you. His stuff is you. Now, in a large house, there are vessels of gold and of silver and vessels of wood, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. If you separate yourself from these, you will be useful, fit for the master. So what's happening in the Old Testament is God's house is just a, a picture. I, I mean, this informs your eschatology. It's just a picture of people. Because God doesn't live in a temple. He's too big for that. The earth cannot contain him. Heaven cannot contain him. But it's a picture. His name comes in. His glory comes in. His Shekinah glory, as it's called. And he's living in his house, and all this stuff is there, and it's pictures of us. Because what does God do? God uses his vessels to get his work done. And what is his work he's doing? Well, it's the same task he gave Adam. Be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. What Jesus is doing right now at the right hand of the Father is subduing the earth. You have to take it by faith. 
You can't see it happening. In fact, in the United States, it looks like it's waning. But you have to take it by faith that God knows what he's doing. This is what he's up to. He's subduing the earth. And it's a little picture back in Solomon, David and Solomon's day. It's a bigger picture now because the gospel's gone all around the world. And the gospel will win the battle. Because when God speaks, what God wants gets done. It's going to get done. And so what he's saying to these men and to Solomon, okay, seek Yahweh with a whole heart. We read it in chapter 28, verse 9, a whole heart. It comes in chapter 29 twice, a whole heart, a whole heart. Do you know what the word whole is? It's the word shalom, a heart of peace, a Solomon heart. When people are restless, they wrestle around. When people are at peace, then they seek the Lord, and all of God's stuff looks good, including his Torah, his statutes, his judgment. Solomon, seek Yahweh with a whole heart. Leaders who are going to help Solomon, seek Yahweh with a whole heart. If the church has a weakness today in the United States, we don't seek Yahweh with a whole heart. David, when he got this covenant and he decided to build and God stopped him, what did he do? He spent the rest of his life with much pain, it says in verse 14. The word is actually affliction which is why we read Psalm 132. Remember David and his affliction. What did he do? He gave his life to gathering gold and silver and iron and bronze and wood for himself. None of it for himself. And then you get to chapter 29. Besides all I gathered, then I reach into my own storehouse, God, and I give you even more of my own. I give it all to you. Why? Because Israel needs a God living among them in a palace where they can come to the bronze altar and, and move right up here into the Holy of Holies and ask God questions. Seek the Lord with a whole heart. So, I'm going to end this time. We have much more to say about this. I'm going to end this time by going back to Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to think about this. It's an interesting thing to me. Uh, we've been trained this way. It's really uh, pastors and leaders' faults that this has happened. But it's an interesting thing to me. That you rear all these children. Well, some of us had these we all come with different numbers. I'm not trying to comment on that. We, 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 ha we have children to rear. And in our culture right now, as soon as they hit 18, we think our job is done. Is it? Friends, our kids are falling apart in the church. I'm not talking about McKinney, I'm talking about the church at broad. 
And you know what kids want to do? They want to run away from their parents and go to another church without their parents. Why do they want to do that? Something's wrong. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. When does he leave father and mother? He finds a wife. You see, because we're living the American dream in the church right now. That is, we want a happy... There's nothing wrong with wanting a happy life. We want a life that's at ease. We don't want affliction. We want to make money. We want to live the American dream. Who's living the kingdom dream? Well, Solomon did. And what we want for all of us, no matter how old we are, all the way down to our children, is we want a Solomon heart. And a Solomon heart just goes back to the very beginning. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So I'll end with this. If every Christian family decided to seek the Lord with a Solomon heart, and every Christian family, if God allowed it, could have four or five children, in about 25 years, we would be so majority in this country, it would be unbelievable. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word. Of course, we have questions that it doesn't always answer for us, like how did that happen to Solomon in the end? But we do see what you want, and you, we do see promises, and we do see provision you provide. What you want us to do, you do tell us you will supply what it takes to get it done. And so you said to Solomon, look, I'll establish you. Just seek me with a whole heart. It's easy for us, Lord, with all of our science today to think science has the answers. With all of our polls, it's easy to think, well, here's what the people think. There are the answers. And it's led us very astray from just taking your word for what it says. Please bring us back to that. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen.